Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. In 1943, the U.S. Army came up with a daring plan to trick Hitler's army. They created a unit of artists, sound engineers, and prop builders who fooled the German army into seeing the U.S. Army in places it wasn't. The year is 1944, and the world is engulfed in the biggest catastrophe in human history, World War II. You're a soldier, and you get your orders. You're headed to the front. But you're not going to be firing an M1 rifle or driving a Sherman tank. Your mission is to put on a show, to put on a show for the enemy. You must stage a complex multimedia presentation spread out over many miles 
and do so right in the middle of a war zone for an attentive and discerning audience that wants nothing more than to kill you. Thousands of lives, including your own, depend on how good a job you do. And you're going to be asked to do it again next week. And that, in a nutshell, is the mission that was handed to the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops, also known as the Ghost Army. They were designed to fool the enemy. And to do so, they employed battalions of inflatable tanks, a vast array of sound effects, radio trickery. They even dressed up as soldiers from other units, created phony headquarters, all to fool the German army into thinking the Americans were in one spot, when in fact, they were someplace else entirely. Ghost Army is really the brainchild of two American staff officers uh, who are polar opposites, Colonel Billy Harris and Major Ralph Ingersoll. And Ingersoll is kind of a wild uh, a civilian guy. He was a journalist, uh, sort of flamboyant left wing, uh, very imaginative, sometimes had only a tenuous relationship with the truth. Uh, he'd been a publisher and an author and, and done all this stuff. And now he's in the Army and he's working with this very buttoned-down West Point colonel named Billy Harris. And the two of them together in the Special Plans branch uh, in the European Theater of Operations in late 1943, they dream up this idea of let's, let's create a traveling roadshow of deception. Why do they do it? The Americans uh, want to have every advantage once they land in Europe, and deception can give you an advantage. So these two planners come up with this idea to create a multimedia mobile deception unit, and then they sell it to the uh, high-ranking generals, and they come up with this very imaginative idea. It's December 1943 before the orders really go out to form this unit. The U.S. Army doesn't have any doctrines. They don't have any manuals. They basically have to figure out their mission on their own. So it happens so fast, and it requires them to uh, basically learn as they're going, which will continue throughout the war. And then by May, uh, they're in England, uh, and uh, give it another month and they're on the ground in France trying to carry out these deceptions against the Germans to, to fool them about the location and uh, size of American troops. And in a lot of ways they're like a traveling roadshow of deception with people uh, who are actors and people who are producers and people who are doing the sound and they're creating uh, something very convincing, they hope, for the enemy, and they hope it's convincing because that's going to lead to the saving of American lives, and that's why it's so important. Well, the headquarters company is like the box office, and then the 603rd camouflage engineers who worked with the inflatables, they're like the guys doing scenery. And you've got uh, the radio company, they're, they're doing dialogue. You've got the 406th combat engineers, that's the security arm of the unit. They're like the spear carriers, and then you've got the 3132nd signal company, and they are like the orchestra. And you put it all together, and you hope that the result is convincing. I was interviewed for a top-secret organization, which was involved in psychological warfare, and something to do with sound, 
I thought sound, we were going to zap all the Germans within the war, and that would be it. But it was more psychology than, uh, than zapping. You couldn't really believe that what we were going to do would be effective. How could we come along with, with rubber dummies and, and blow it up and make it look real? I had no idea of why I was there or what I was to be doing. After I was there for a few days, I spoke to this major and I said, what is this organization? And he said, let's put it this way, Lieutenant. If we are totally successful, you may not come back. And the mission was to try to be able to take a thousand men and put them in so that 15,000 men could move somewhere else and not be detected. We were going to be in show business where we set up one night stands and like ghosts disappear. At which point somebody said, you mean we're asking for the enemy to fire on us? The answer was yes. At that point we all came to the conclusion that this was a suicide outfit. What a story you're hearing about a mini Hollywood production unit going out and tricking the Nazis into thinking our troops were one place when they were in another. A real suicide mission this turns out to be, a really hard one. And you heard from veterans of the Ghost Army, including Jack McGlynn, Irving Stemple, Robert Conrad, Ed Blow, Ned Harris, Gil Seltzer, Dick Syracuse, Harold Flynn, Victor Dowd, and Al Albrecht. When we come back, more of the story of the Ghost Army of World War II, here on Our American Stories. Lee Habib here, the host of Our American Stories. Every day on this show, we're bringing inspiring stories from across this great country. Stories from our big cities and small towns. But we truly can't do this show without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love what you hear, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little, give a lot. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and give. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. And we continue with Our American Stories and with Rick Beyer telling the story of the ghost army of World War II, along with men who were actually in the unit. Let's pick up where we last left off. The unit is a mix of soldiers who were specifically recruited and some who are basically just draftees or enlistees who get assigned to it. The visual deception is going to be handled by the 603rd Camouflage Engineers, and about half that unit are artists who have very specifically been put into this camouflage unit uh, to use their art skills. Now they're not going to be using them for camouflage, they're going to be using them to make things that aren't real look real. It's kind of the reverse of camouflage. You also have uh, engineers uh, telephone linemen, signalers, script writers, all sorts of people like that who are recruited or sort of uh, find their way into this unit, you know, not by accident. But that's mixed up then with a bunch of people who are bartenders, farmhands, policemen, teachers, uh, all sorts of different jobs from 46 or 47 states. The 23rd Headquarters Troops consisted of about 1,100 soldiers. So it kind of sounds like a lot, but they're pretending to be as many as 20 or 30,000. 
And these 1,100 soldiers were divided into different units for the different types of deception they did. So visual deception is handled by the 603rd Camouflage Engineers. That's the unit that has a lot of artists in it. And they're using inflatable tanks and trucks and all sorts of stuff to fool enemy aerial reconnaissance. And then um, sonic deception, using sound to fool the enemy, is handled by the 3132nd Signal Service Company. And uh, they've got giant speakers mounted on half tracks that can project sound for 15 miles. So it's not the sound of battle, but like sounds of convoys on the move, of tanks you know, rumbling down a road, of a convoy of trucks rumbling down a road, all sorts of different things like that. The sonic deception unit went out and recorded all these sounds before they left the United States onto big vinyl sound effects records, or actually I think they're glass transcription discs. Then when they're doing any particular deception, they can mix the different sounds together to get the exact um, sounds that they want for a deception, and it's one of the earliest uses of multi-track recording. The recordings were brilliant. There was a, a road leading up. The music had to be described, the, the change of gears, the tanks going up, the tanks going down, the tanks assembling. And then we'd go to another spot where trucks were just flying through on the highway. They had the recordings of building a pontoon bridge or any type of bridge, and you could hear them hammering away and swearing. Enormous sounds of tracks racing through the forest sounded like a whole division was amassing. And some of these sounds really, it's not just trucks or tanks or bridge building, it's guys' voices. Sergeant's voices yelling, put out that cigarette now. Back of my half-track, I tell my children, was the biggest boombox you ever saw, but it played sounds of tanks and activity. And it was all fakery. It was all a, a big act. All the stuff to make it seem realistic for an enemy listening at an outpost, a listening outpost across the river and kind of hearing these sounds and thinking, oh my gosh, the Americans are really moving in in force. But you also have a radio unit, the Signal Company Special, it was called. And these guys are doing fake radio transmissions. Because, of course, if you have a division that's moving into an area, they are communicating by radio because they're coming in on a move. They haven't been able to lay their telephone lines yet. And so you've got all these radio operators sending out phony messages to each other and also connecting with real radio networks. So if the Germans are listening in, well, they're starting to hear all this stuff coming in and they're going to, again, it's another reason to believe that a certain division is moving in. And once they're in Europe, uh, they develop a fourth type of deception, which they call special effects. And this involves pretending to be the soldiers of whatever division they're impersonating. Let's say it's the 75th Infantry. They're putting on 75th Infantry patches. They're putting those bumper markings on their vehicles. They're setting up phony headquarters. This is all to fool enemy spies that have left behind. So it all added up. My God, there they are, the 35th and the 79th or whatever, you know, they're up there and that's where it's going to be, right on, bang, on the map. Well, really, they were not there, they were down here. <laughs> Why don't we put a stencil of the name of the unit that we were simulating right on the trucks? And why don't we 
start a counterfeit shoulder patch factory where they would see we were the 75th division, one of the divisions we did. So we began to put on their patches and put their bumper markings on, and we physically assumed the role. Only for every hundred of them, there might be 10 of us. We had a sewing kit. That's one of the things that was required that we carry with us all the time. Give us the patches and we were good at sewing them on. <laughs> Seamstresses. My shirts were all wrecked from having sewn so many different shoulder patches on them. The soldiers are walking into bars and their cafes and you know like oh yeah well we're moving out tonight or whatever it is you know they're they're singing the song that the guys in the 75th always like to sing our job was to go in with our phony markings and phony stories that we were pretending to be officers and soldiers from another organization and we were turned loose in town go to the pub order some omelets and talk loose. A lot of the guys went to the bakery, got rolls and stuff and said, we gotta get an extra supply because we're, we're moving out tonight, that kind of thing. It was almost kind of silly, really. But I think what really confirmed the fact that there was effectiveness was sitting in a cafe and seeing a door open up gradually and somebody was taking pictures. We'd, we'd find out if like a division or a special unit had a particular song that they like to sing. We get blitzed and then sing their song. <laughs> it's just another detail uh, to fool the enemy. And after a while, you get enough details, it's not too hard to fool people. If a few of those details uh, match up and go together, you're going to stop thinking about it and start believing the story the Americans are trying to tell you. And that's really when the magic comes together. We wanted to create the natural debris that goes with faking something. We did similar things with artillery. Lay phony artillery shells around and make it look as if they had been firing. After a while, my eyes were beginning to tell me what my ears were hearing, and I began to see tanks. <laughs> they weren't there. <laughs> they were in my ear, but they weren't. Crank the speakers up out of the back of the half-track and play a program to the enemy all night of us bringing equipment into the scene. We could make them believe that we were coming in with an armored division. And of course, you had to tend these dummies all the time. And during the night, they would the, the gun turrets would sag, and that, that's a bad visual effect the next morning if the Germans are looking down there and seeing sagging gun barrels. It's amazing the fakery that we were able to perpetrate upon the enemy. And you've been listening to Rick Beyer, the author of The Ghost Army of World War II, He's also the president of the Ghost Army Legacy Project and the co-creator of a great documentary called The Ghost Army. We also heard from a few more veterans of the Ghost Army, including Stanley Nance, Jack Macy, John Jarvie, Mike Berry, Joe Spence, John Walker, and Bob Tompkins. And what a story we're listening to, that of visual deception 
radio deception and sound deception, and even fake sets of army headquarters down to the detail of soldiers with fake unit patches to deceive the enemy and preserve life and win the strategic objectives and the long-term objective of taking Berlin. The story of the ghost army of World War II continues here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. And we continue with Our American Stories and with Rick Beyer, who is telling the story of the Ghost Army 
of World War II, a literal traveling roadshow of deception with Hollywood-style state-of-the-art techniques, which included everything from sound effects straight down to building design and phony tanks. Let's pick up where we last left off. So they come over to England, they, they train in England, they arrive in France in late June, early July 1944, and they start doing uh, a few deceptions. But their first deception that uses all types of uh, deception together is Operation Brest out at the end of the peninsula in Brittany. So now they're using the inflatables, they're using the sonic deception, they're using the radio to try to fool the enemy. And it's, it's pretty successful, although something happens there that it kind of weighs on them. We did a very successful sonic imitation of the, the assembling of, of, of tanks. And, uh, and for some reason or other, the commanding officer of this tank battalion sends us tanks right down the ravine that we had played for dummy's sake. Due to a command mistake, not having anything to do with the Ghost Army, but elsewhere in the Army, an attack is launched right from the place where they have been drawing German attention. Those guys never reached the line of departure, which is the point that they want to start their attack from. They never even got that far. An American attack is launched right from the spot where the Ghost Army guys have been attracting German attention and sort of, you know, attracting German weapons. A bunch of tanks are hit and knocked out and a bunch of guys are killed. They got decimated. We had no way of knowing they were going to kick off an attack. And they had no way of knowing that we weren't going to help them. A bunch of American tanks are destroyed. A bunch of guys are killed. You know, and it makes you feel lousy. And it weighed very heavily. And it really was kind of a, a wake-up call as to how deception correctly used can save lives. But deception poorly used or deception that's misunderstood by the commanders and not and they're not paying attention can can really be a problem. And that was kind of like their first baptism. And then they go on to uh, in September 1944 to Operation Bettenberg. Patton has been racing across France and he's now attacking uh, the fortress city of Metz and there's this huge gap opens up in his line. It's right near the German border. There's about a 25-mile gap in George Patton's line and the Ghost Army guys are rushed in to fill it. That's a deception that lasted for eight days, which is a huge amount of time to try to fool people. Most of their deceptions are one or two or three days. But for eight days, they are trying to pretend to be the 6th Armored Division along the Moselle River there in Luxembourg and parts of France. Infantrymen would see us and realize what we were doing with these dummy tanks, setting ourselves up as targets. They'd say things like, you guys are crazy. We could position certain things so that they would be hidden, but kind of hidden in plain sight. So that if a reconnaissance planes came over, maybe they would just see the corner of something sticking out. And they know if they can see one or two sticking out, there must be more that they can't. 
in most cases, like a German tank, we could have it inflated and moved within 15 or 20 minutes. The artillery piece was good. The Jeep was good. But that M4 tank, that was the beauty. That was a, that was a piece of work, it really was. It was a little bundle of stuff which a tank was in, all compressed before. You opened the bundle, spread the, the nozzles around, and inflated it. Pulling this amorphic shape out of it, and then watching it being filled with air and taking form, you know, like a monster. If things went very well, there were air compressors. If things went not so well, there were bicycle pumps. And if things went terribly badly, there were our lungs. I was on guard duty, and two Frenchmen on bicycles got through the, the perimeter, and I halted them, and they weren't looking at me. They were looking at something over my shoulder. And what they thought they saw was four GIs picking up what was a 40-ton Sherman tank and turning it around. They looked at me and then they looked at the situation. They were looking for answers. And I finally said, the Americans are very strong. It's an incredibly important deception because if the Germans had figured out that there was this hole in Patton's line, they could have gone through and gotten behind Patton and wreaked all sorts of havoc and changed the course of the war and probably killed a lot of Americans. Operation Bettenberg is the place where they really learned what they were doing. The operations officer, Clifford Simonson, said, this is where we really started to get good. You know, we finally started to put it together and figure out really how, how this should be done. Uh, and of course, it leads to a lot of other successful deceptions after that. You know, things are going along. They've carried out a bunch of deceptions. They're feeling really good. Uh, they've managed to get through the Battle of the Bulge with minimal casualties and problems. And now it's March 1944, and they're carrying out this little 24-hour deception, Operation Booze on Feel. They've taken some casualties over the preceding months. You know, the enemy's been firing at them because they think they're a real unit. But here in this operation, the enemy 88s really zeroed in. And just as they were about to leave the area of carrying out the deception in Operation Bouzonville, they got hit with a very heavy artillery barrage. And there are people probably no more than 20, 30 feet away from me that lost limbs because of shrapnel just falling all over. I was sitting in the truck with my truck driver and a bunch of guys in the back of the truck and a shell landed in front of us and then the shell flew over our heads and hit the truck behind us. And I was thinking, do I tell him to get the hell out of here now? And with that, the signal came and we moved. And it was just a case of Luck. Luck is the paramount word. About 12 or 15 guys are wounded. They have two men who are killed. It's really one of their, their deadliest days. If you're in the wrong place, you can be dead. If you're in the right place, you can live to be as old as I am. That is a very sobering time for the soldiers in this unit because they've been really lucky up to this time.
and suddenly it feels like the luck is running out. And I think for any soldier in any war, you know, you wonder when you reach the point that that luck is going to run out. And so it had started to feel that way for some of these guys. And then two weeks later, they head into their biggest operation of the war. And we're listening to Rick Beyer, author of Ghost Army of World War II, and we're also hearing from actual Ghost Army veterans, including Arthur Shillstone. And these guys, well, what they did was simply astounding. And they got really good at what they did, filling the gap in Patton's line in September of 1944. And they did it for six days for the 6th Army Division. Six long days. When we come back, more of the remarkable story of the Ghost Army of World War II here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. And we continue with our American stories and with Rick Byers' story of the Ghost Army of World War II. Let's pick up where we last left off. Later in March 1945, they head into their biggest operation of the war, Operation Viersen. They are now assigned to the 9th Army. The 9th Army is going to be trying to cross the Rhine River in one spot. The Ghost Army guys, they're going to try to make it seem like the 9th Army is crossing the Rhine River 10 miles to the south. And so for this deception, they have to pull out all the stops because they are going to pretend to be two different divisions of the 9th Army, the 30th Division and the 79th Division. They're doing sonic deception. They have hundreds of inflatables set up within 10 miles of the Rhine River. They are doing huge amounts of radio transmission. They set up phony headquarters for these units. They've got people impersonating generals, driving around in jeeps. We did a lot of ride-through with two guys in the back of a truck to make it look like it was full. If you're gonna bring a division up, you better have a headquarters somewhere, and there better be a major general walking around, and so we had to have a fool general do this. Some sergeant would wear two stars for an operation. It's really an incredible command performance. And when the attack is finally launched by the 9th Army, they get across the Rhine River with almost no casualties, very, very few casualties. And their intelligence officers were completely convinced that it was this deception by the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops that had made that happen. And General William Simpson, who's the commander of the 9th Army, he writes a letter of commendation. It's great to read this letter because he doesn't really say what they did because, of course, that's really secret. But he writes this letter and said, you guys did something really important, and it really materially affected the success of this operation, and thank you very much. That official commendation is basically the only unit commendation of any kind or unit honor of any kind that they got during the war because this was so secret. So everything they did was was hushed up. Some stories got out, but basically the lid was kept on this for nearly 50 years after the war. And so this incredible tale of what these guys accomplished, you know, didn't get into the history books in the 1950s and 1960s and 1970s and 80s and and, and, and beyond into the 90s. And, and so the story of World War II kind of left them out. They got left behind. They never received significant official recognition. They had one letter of commendation 
but there was, you know, they didn't have a unit citation. There wasn't anything that really kind of honored them to the degree that I thought was appropriate. And so when we started the Ghost Army Legacy Project, we set out as a goal to convince Congress to award them a Congressional Gold Medal. The Congressional Gold Medal is basically the highest honor Congress can bestow. It's at the same level as a Presidential Medal of Freedom. The first one went to George Washington when he was a general, so that kind of gives you an idea of the, of the level that we're aiming at there. Now, the thing about a Congressional Gold Medal is that it's really hard to get, and they've made it hard on purpose. You cannot even have legislation considered for Congressional Gold Medal unless it's already been co-sponsored by two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate. So that means that before you can even, you know, get people to debate about it or have a vote about it, you've already got to have two-thirds of them signed up, you know, and saying, yeah, I support this, I'm behind this, and I'm putting my name to it, and I'm signing on to it. Well, that's an incredibly high bar. Getting two-thirds of Congress to agree on anything might be challenging. So that was kind of the, the daunting hill that we faced. and. What we did is we mobilized uh, a bunch of people who were concerned and committed about this and we, we didn't really know what we were doing when we started, but we tried like the Ghost Army. We tried to figure it out as we went along. We didn't have a manual, we didn't have a doctrine, but by God we want to do this, we're smart people, we can try to figure it out. And so we began lobbying, we began doing lobbying trips, we began enlisting more people, and we got smarter and smarter about it, uh, and got a bigger group of lobbyists, and slowly began to move things. Some of our most effective lobbyists were teenagers. We had three teenagers who were so excited by this story that they wanted to help lobby. You know, one of them, Madeline Christensen, was the great-granddaughter of a Ghost Army veteran. Another, uh, Reese Holmes, her family is part of the Daughters of the American Revolution, and so she had heard about the story when I spoke to them uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, the third, Caleb Sinwell, he did a National History Day project about the Ghost Army that won a national prize. Uh, and so these were just three young people who were really captivated with the story. And I said to them, hey, do you want to help us lobby? I'll, you know, I'll help you figure it out and learn how to do it. And they were so gung-ho. And they were so impressive when they started 14, 15 years old, walking into a senator's office, walking into a congressman's office to do a briefing on the Ghost Army and explain why it should get a gold medal. And I was so deeply impressed with this. For me, very inspiring to work with these young people and they, they moved the needle. I mean, I'm not suggesting that, oh, they were involved and that was nice. They, they lobbied, they convinced senators. I mean, they had, they scored. They were our secret weapon to have them on our side. And it demonstrates how this story appeals to so many different kinds of people. Reese Holmes talked about how nervous she was. She's like, she couldn't even believe that she had agreed to do this. But then she's going in and these staff people, their jaws are just dropping. I mean, and their faces are like, what? I mean, they, they have this double disbelief, disbelief over this incredible story and disbelief that they're hearing about it from a 15-year-old, which I think is quite extraordinary. 
And Caleb Sinwell had been pestering Senator Grassley's office. Caleb's from Iowa. He'd been pestering Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. And, and finally, the, he got a call from Grassley's office saying that, that Senator Grassley would talk to him. So he's very excited, and he, and he did his whole pitch. And basically, before he even started, Senator Grassley told him how impressed he was and that he was going to sign on and co-sponsor the bill. But then Caleb got an award from the U.S. Army for this National History Day project he had done. And Senator Grassley said, well, I'll come to your high school for this award ceremony. So he came, you know, they have this big award ceremony in the gym of this tiny little school in Nashua Plainfield, Iowa. The Army sent out uh, a major to present the award, and Senator Grassley is there, and he gets up to speak, and he says, this story is so amazing. I'm going to go back to Congress, and I promise I'm going to get some other people to co-sponsor as well. And by God, Senator Grassley went back and, you know, on the floor of the Senate the next day or the day after, he convinced two or three other people in a matter of minutes to come on and co-sponsor this bill. We worked hard and we eventually got to the point uh, in late in uh, 2021. We got it over the two-thirds margin in both the House and the Senate, and then they both eventually uh, voted for it. And then President Biden signed that legislation in February of 2022. The medal has been designed. It's gone through all the design processes at the Mint. It has to be officially presented to the Smithsonian. There's this official presentation ceremony, and that is scheduled by the Speaker of the House. We had one guy turn 100 last week. I've got two other guys turning 100 in May. There's only about eight left, and, and, and half of them are going to be 100 years old by the middle of the year. So, you know, they're not going to be around really long. And I'd like to have a ceremony. It would mean a lot not only to them, but I think to a lot of the families to have a ceremony that happened while some of the guys were still here. You know you saved lives, you don't know how many you saved, but you know you saved them. They estimated that we saved between 15 and 30,000 lives with our maneuvers. But you know, even if we'd only saved 15 or 30, it was worth it. One mother or one new bride was spared the agony of putting a gold star in their front window. That's what the 23rd headquarters was all about. And you heard that right. The Ghost Army of World War II saved between 15 and 30,000 lives through their maneuvers and their courage. That's what the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops did. And we want to thank John Elfner, who worked on the story, our producer and contributor. And thank you as well, not only to the veterans of the Ghost Army for sharing their stories, but to Rick Beyer, the director of the Ghost Army Legacy Project, author of The Ghost Army of World War II, and he also helped curate an exhibition about the Ghost Army for the National World War II Museum in New Orleans, the finest museum in this country. The story of the Ghost Army of World War II, here on Our American Stories. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.